All right, as we continue our journey of uh, the biggest fails that we've had in reefing, <laughs> uh, the top 15 fails of protein skimmers, yep. starting with number one. Yeah, number one is, I mean, this is, this is fantastic. Assuming that you need one to begin with, because you don't in mm. many cases. Like some cases, like Zach's tank, for example, uh, thriving 60-gallon reef tank, uh, SPS heavy, dominant, like gorgeous-looking tank, doesn't run a skimmer. Yeah, you know that uh, lobby tank they had over at uh, Worldwide Corals as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Like, no skimmer, right? Mm -hmm. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome-looking tank. So here's the thing is a skimmer is just one of the other pieces of filtration in the tank. And I will say that if you scaled this back, you know, quite a while ago, you know, there weren't that many other ways to mm -hmm. remove excess nutrients and organics from the tank. So they were a pretty important piece and still is. It's just that there's other ways now here. So yeah. it's just a component of the overall filtration. So understand what it does and then just decide whether or not you want to incorporate it in your tank. So in this case, it is going to remove uneaten food and fish poop like before it actually decays in the tank. There's some things yeah. that will remove it afterward, but this is one of the very few ways that will actually remove it before it totally breaks down. Yeah. Uh, also, we'll add tons and tons of uh, uh, oxygen or uh, gas transfer within the tank, can maintain the pH and all kinds of other things here. So it is a beneficial filter, but don't let anybody tell you that it's absolutely <laughs> necessary because that's a total fail. You don't absolutely need one. There's just lots of really good reasons to have one. All right, so that leads right into the number two biggest skimmer fail. What is it? Uh, that would be going too big. Mm -hmm. Like, so this big guy right here, probably don't need it on my little 40 gallon system. Maybe mm -hmm. a 20 gallon system. I don't need something that big. Yeah, I would have told you differently a decade ago, you know, bigger is better or whatever. Uh, I've learned uh, differently since, and I think a lot of community <laughs> is kind of like starting to switch over. You know, it kind of feels like from a mindset, uh, you know, you can't filter your tank too well, yeah. right? And actually we found that you can. But more importantly, what I've found over the years is that if you get a skimmer that's too big for your system, it simply doesn't work at all, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's not that it's filtering too much, it actually doesn't filter anything, <laughs> right? It just, like, it's too much air for the amount of organics in the system. The neck is too big, so it requires too much foam to actually produce anything. And if you get too big, it's actually one of the biggest fails. You'll be the most disappointed. You'll end up tuning it so the water like is like just barely under the edge, just yeah. hoping to get something. Then every time you feed, it just like explodes. And uh, I would say one of the biggest fails you can do with your skimmer is investing in something way too big for your system. Okay, so the number three skimmer fail, what is it? Directly opposite of too big. It's going too small. So this is, uh, this is like having uh, a whole lot of fuel but not a big enough engine to burn it. Yeah. Uh, and essentially that's what it is. So like, I would not use this little guy and expect it to be extremely effective on a 100 gallon system. Just yeah, uh, if you got this tiny little guy and you put it on a giant tank, it's probably not gonna do a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So basically in this case, it's not that it's not gonna work. It actually will work. It just won't remove as much as you're putting in. Yeah, right? true. Uh, and so like, uh, if I had to go one way or the other though, it would be too small because I know the too small will actually work. It'll do something. It just won't work like to my desires and there'll be all kinds of room for you know excess improvement uh, versus too big. Like actually it just doesn't work at all most of the time. So uh, too small is actually the number three fail. All right, so the number four fail on protein skimmers is uh, considering fish load instead of food load. So those recommended like bio loads that the manufacturer has put on there, uh, making that the 
only determining factor for size in your skimmer? Yeah, you know, so one skimmer might be, say, a heavy bio load, 75 gallons, yeah. medium uh, is 150, and light is 225. So when you think bio load, a lot of people think fish. Yeah, true. Right? Like, uh, I got 10 fish, you got 10 fish, that must be whatever. Mm. But it actually isn't that, right? Mm -hmm. Food that you put in, mm -hmm. uh, tied in with fish, though, and size of fish. Well, kind of, but it's really just the food. Because if you okay. had 10 fish, and I had 10 fish, and yeah. they were the same size fish, but I fed three cubes of food and you fed one. Yeah, massive The skimmer is only designed to export and they're only gonna poo as much as they eat. True, right? true. And so like, it's really, really a lot more about how much like nutrient input you put in than the amount of mm. fish. And a fish is loosely tied to this thing, but again, if you're feeding like really stingy handful of pellets and meanwhile I'm over here, I'm feeding like uh, nori sheets yeah. and little algae flakes and like dumping in amino acids and I'm like, you know, got frozen food and I like just dumping all kinds of nutrition mm -hmm. into this tank. Like, that is a heavy bio load. It's not so much about the fish, it's about stuff that I'm putting into the tank. True. Uh, and there's different reasons why you might be on any one of those spectrums, which is like a different kind of debate. But just know like which end of that spectrum you are on and that's how you decide heavy bio load, light bio load. Not about the fish, but about the food you put in the tank. At the number five fail, and this one's really about sizing in the right tool for the right job in the beginning. What is it? And this is uh, not considering your other filtration uh, when sizing your skimmer, and probably uh, more specifically the mechanical fill. Those, those types of filtrations that can remove uh, those uneaten, you know, uh, uneaten foods or organics and wastes before they even get the chance to break down, uh, which essentially is you know, kind of what your skimmer's doing, uh, but it's doing it first, meaning that I can probably size smaller if I have like a, an effective feeling roller mat or something. Yeah, absolutely. And so like when I was actually talking about skimmer and uh, sump design and stuff with the people that are making my tank for me, once we incorporated uh, the like fleece roller mat into there, like I think you should step the skimmer down, right? Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Uh, because you're removing all that fish waste and poo before it uh, actually gets to the skimmer, right? Yeah. And so uh, in this case, I think amount of nutrient input, but if I'm removing half of it with the fleece, uh, you know what? I actually don't need a bigger skimmer. And yeah. if I have too big a skimmer, again, it won't even work. Right, true. Right? And so okay. I'm better off going small. So think about your total approach to filtration when you're sizing your skimmer. If you get one that you think is designed you know, for your system and you get everything right, but you haven't incorporated that, you know, I change out my filter socks, you know, every day or every three days like I should, you should think about that because you have really good filtration before it ever sees a skimmer. However, if you never change out your filter socks and it's all just going to decay in there, well, you should probably get the skimmer that's designed for that as well. All right, so the number six fail of protein skimmers. This is buying for today's tank uh, rather than where you're going. Uh, probably, you know, something I've done too is, you know, I've got this 125 gallon system and I see a skimmer out there that's you know rated at a high heavy bio load you know area lots of food input uh, at that 125 level so I get it but I start with like three two or three fish in that mm -hmm. big giant thing so not gonna work as properly as I would I thought it or expect it to but down the road it probably would yeah, so like if you buy a you know really nice skimmer and you get your first two fish in there and it's not producing anything, it's because that skimmer wasn't designed for two fish. Right. right. Tiny right. Little food. It's actually designed where you're going, mm -hmm. which is you know a year from now when you have 15 fish and you're doing three cubes of food maybe twice a day. It's actually designed for that. 
and you can't really expect the same tool to perform the same ends of that spectrum, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, you know, be aware that it may not work super great with that first two fish. It will maybe produce something, but it won't be as efficient as it on the other end. Right. So you can kind of circumvent that if you want, and you can buy, you know, a skimmer that works great for that first year, and then like upgrade it a year from now. But uh, that's like uh, if you just like taking out your wallet and dumping <laughs> it out. Uh, so I would suggest that you buy a skimmer that is uh, on the path to where you're going rather than where you're starting. Okay, so number seven is actually directly tied to that and one of the ways that you can kind of bridge the gap there. Right, and uh, the mistake here or the common fail here is missing on the value of a DC adjustable pump. Uh, my first skimmer was an AC, and I, of course, knew nothing about adjusting it other than just turning this little knob here. And, uh, and then I went and bought a DC skimmer. Still didn't know anything about adjusting it. I just knew that I, now I had a quieter pump, mm -hmm. and I had the ability to change the speed of the pump, but I had no idea what that means. Uh, so in this one, uh, we're talking about you know the beginner tank and down the road when I've got tons and tons of fish, the DC pump and adjustability actually allows me to adjust without buying skimmer, 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 skimmer. Yeah, and the way it does that is it allows you to use a little pad to adjust the air and the water in the same ratio yeah. down, just to slow the pump down, right? Uh, and that means that when we're, it's a foam you know, engine, trying to produce a foam and then overflow it and collect it. Uh, in this case, when I got two fish, I have very little organics, which means I need less air to match that, otherwise I'm going to destroy the foam engine. Mm. But I can actually, as I add more organics, tune the air up at the same time, right? And so one of the DC options allows you to really scale from that uh, uh, smaller tank to the bigger tank, or rather like the smaller amount of organics to the bigger amount of organics mm. or feeding habits. And I gotta be honest, I didn't catch that in the first wave of DC pumps out there. because. No. We were really just told uh, everybody's like, more air, more better, right? Uh, and <laughs> yeah. that just isn't the case. Too much air actually just looks like a boiling pot of water if you don't have enough organics. And they all just kind of like sit there and pop and they never really produce anything. Mm. Uh, it never produces that kind of thicker foam that flows over the edge, right? And so like it isn't more air, more better. It is the right uh, tool for the right job and the right amount of air matched the amount of organics in your tank. And with the DC pump, not only is it quiet, which is something that, that everybody great. likes, but also I can adjust it to span like different areas of my hobby and tank and maybe even different tanks as well and uh, mm. outlive the first tank I'm in and, and go on. So really uh, one of the biggest fails here is missing the advantages of a DC pump. I missed it myself. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people have. Oh, yeah. And then like once it's uh, like through all of our experiments and whatnot, you test it and you're like, wow, you can really tune the air and watch the performance materialize before yeah. your eyes. It's something you can see with your naked eye. The yeah. moment you do it, like, oh, I can't believe I missed this. <laughs> so that's one of the biggest fails. Uh, realize the value of the DC pump. All right, so that's uh, number eight fail. What is it? Number eight is exactly what I said. All I've known so far is adjusting this valve and adjusting this gate valve only. And that's the way I've reefed for many, 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 many years. But common mistake because this is probably what I would consider not even the uh, not close to the primary uh, adjustment for my skimmer. It comes to like you were talking about adjusting the amount of air, adjusting the amount of uh, input and flow rate through to dial that skimmer foam head in, and then only just using this to change how I collect it. Yeah, exactly. To use all the different other mechanisms out there to change the type of foam it creates, 
and then use this to change how you collect it, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, this thing was actually told to a lot of people as this is a wet versus dry. Right. And you know, there's a scenario where that's kind of true, but if you're not getting the type of foam that you want, this actually won't change the type of foam no. that you're producing. It just changes the point that it collects, right? So this is an important tool, but it's only one of them. So that leads right into number nine, which is water level matters. Yeah, paying attention to the water level here, and very specifically in, in every single case with a single pump that's pulling double duty. So it's drawing in air and it's drawing in water. It's one single pump. Doesn't matter if it's space saving, doesn't matter if it's outside the body. The water level that you set this skimmer in will, de uh, will determine you know, how, where the, uh, how much head pressure is on that pump and uh, how much effort it has to put in to suck water into it, which changes the whole dynamic of the air and water mixture. Yeah, so if you look at this thing, what will happen is if it's in just a few inches of water, the pump actually only has to pump the water or has to pump the water up quite a ways. So right. it's dealing with a lot of head of pressure, which means water's gonna go through slower, which means that Venturi's gonna suck in less air, and you're changing all kinds of dynamics of this uh, skimmer by running the water too low. Now, if I run it too high, now the water difference change between the water in uh, the sump and in the skimmer is actually not that much different. And I may actually get too much water and too much air, yeah. uh, and it changes all the dynamics. So the skimmer manufacturers out there have found the ideal uh, level. Make sure you pay attention to it. If you haven't looked at it already, like go measure what it's actually in. Use a ruler, like yeah. find out the actual inches on it. Mm -hmm. uh, go find the instructions on the manufacturer's website or ours, and find out where it's supposed to be. You might see a really big change in the performance uh, and how much waste you're able to pull out of the tank. So that is a definite huge uh, impact on water level. And one of the things you can also do is you can change the amount of air and other dynamics. If you don't like how it works at that level, because yes. it just doesn't match how much organics you have, yep. try lowering it, try raising it. And that is one of the tuning things you can do is changing the water level that it's sitting in. Number 10, we kind of already touched on this, but this is a huge, huge fail that mm. uh, like a lot of people have been told and it's just wrong. Yeah, uh, and that is the fail of assuming that more air is better. Uh, I mean, a lot of these pumps just, they have these high air volume, uh, you know, type of flow rates through them. They, they ability to draw a ton of air. And in a lot of cases, you probably don't even need that much. No. Uh, and so more air is great if you have more organics to create a stable foam head. Mm -hmm. More air if you don't have a lot of organics is actually worse, you know. Uh, and I like to think about it a lot is if you're blowing a bubble, you know, essentially in the bubble wand is just organics in there in the soap, right? And if I have a lot of organics, I can actually blow through this really fast and just create a bunch of bubbles. Right. If there's just very little and I blow through it, it actually just pops immediately. Right. There's not enough organics for that velocity of air. And if we kind of look at this thing, essentially this little cup here is the wand. Yeah, exactly. There's blowing air through it. And if I'm just pumping air through this super fast, there's not enough organics to support a foam head, they all just pop. Yep. And so you know what I'm talking about if you look at your skimmer and it's just top to bottom air, and then right here, it's just bubbling like a boiling pot of water. No foam is coming over. Mm. That is a surefire sign that you have too much air in your skimmer and not an organic, enough organics to create a stable foam head and have the foam engine actually work, right? And so like, more air, more better is not correct. In many cases, it will increase performance if you have a lot of organics, but if you don't, it won't. So the ability to tune it is even better, but just understanding that the air has a purpose and that more doesn't always increase the uh, quality of the skimmate.
All right, so number 11 one, this one's like near and dear to my heart, and I think it's just a fail across the entire industry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, nobody, like, really thinks about this the way they should, and what is it? Yeah, this is uh, the fail of overlooking the benefits and value of a recirculating skimmer. Uh, and we were just talking about the depth that this thing sits in. Not an issue with a recirculating skimmer. We're talking about the ability to adjust air independently from you know water and intake and the amount of organics you draw into this thing, where you only in these in these uh, you only have one pump that's trying to do both. So any adjustment to one versus the other is going to create this weird influx. In a recirculating skimmer, I'm able to just adjust air or just adjust flow without any impact to performance in the other in the other areas. Yeah, so this is a total miss. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, recirculating skimmers have largely been thought of as like external skimmers, and because of that, they end up kind of being pretty big like this one. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, if you look at it, and this guy's just recirculating the foam through it, and one of the benefits of that is I can now put it in any height water in the sump and it'll run just fine, including even externally, right? And we did some experiments on a variety of these things, yep. and we saw that it didn't matter, literally, what height you put it in, it was always the same amount of air that was in there, and it was always super, super stable. And so now, uh, with the feed pump, you just add some water in here, and because the water level is actually coming out of here, it's always a stable height as well. Like, there isn't head pressure from that. And so I add just a little bit of a feed pump in here, and they're just flowing. I can actually control the way that like organics are fed to the skimmer yep. now. That's all kinds of different dynamics to it. And the biggest one though, it's, it's just kind of like becomes more set it and forget it. I just put it in there. I don't care what the water height is. It doesn't matter. I just change the, and hopefully I have a DC option. Right. Uh, I can also just you know, tune down the air, like on the skims options, they have a little knob. You can just uh, turn down the air to some degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and just turn the air till I get the foam I want and then crank it up. And when I crank it up, I'm not creating more head pressure or less head pressure again. The recirculating options, add a pump but make it so much easier and more stable to use. And hopefully in the future, we'll see uh, more recirculating options come out because it probably only adds 50 bucks to the cost of it, but adds so much value and makes it so much easier to use. All right, so number 12 fail. This is pretty common again. Dosing two part right around the intake of your pump. So, uh, I mean, these skimmers draw a lot of air, obviously, into the Venturi, and right where that water and air start to meet inside the Venturi and in the inlet of the pump, uh, this high turbulent area, if I'm dosing two-part and stuff in there, it just makes it more prone to uh, calcify right mm -hmm. in that area. And then I'm, I, I found that out to be, I found that to be true on one of my own systems when I was running uh, my skimmer airline from outside in and dosing right around the same area. Once a week, I'd have to pull the Venturi off and scrape out the hard calcareous stuff build up in there, put it back on, and then I'd have to readjust my skimmer all over again. Yeah, so uh, this is a big one. It, make sure it's downstream, preferably in a totally different compartment, right? Uh, and then, uh, you know, things like heat, uh, all kinds of different things will cause precipitation in the pump, and you just don't want to do high doses of calcium alkalinity. That's two-part, four-part, or like Kelquas or any of that stuff. You just, uh, even probably a calcium reactor. Probably, yeah. You just don't want to dose it into the pump. And if you do, you know, note that you're probably going to have to clean it more often to get the kind of performance that you want out of it. So that is definitely one of the more common fails with a skimmer. All right, so closely related to that is actually number 13. Uh, what does that fail? Uh, that leads right back to cleaning it. So 
the like anything in our aquarium, uh, the pumps you know, have to be regularly, routinely cleaned. Uh, probably even good idea to take a disassemble the whole thing, uh, clean out the body, clean out the neck, clean out the skimmer cup. We all have to, obviously this needs to be cleaned because it fills up with detritus and then this thing gets full and then you're really not collecting anything anymore. But like the whole entire thing needs to be cleaned. Yeah, and sadly, the pump needs to be cleaned too. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, like, you just need to know what you're doing, and it becomes really obvious once you say it out loud. Like, this thing is like constantly sucking in organics, food, and poo, and algae, and <laughs> it's also getting calcium, high levels of calcium and alkalinity. It's a heated object, you know, uh, has friction in it, mm -hmm. and it will build up crust inside of it. And it needs to be cleaned frequently, you know, and like frequently, I mean, like you know, quarterly or whatever, you need to like kind of identify what that is. But if it runs slower, it'll actually suck in less air, which means the performance will go down. Uh, if the Venturi uh, gets stuck, I've seen like intermittent cleaning, some people pour like hot water and stuff mm -hmm. down the, like or, or suck out hot water right. with the tube uh, to try to keep it clean and whatnot. I've never done that myself, but I've heard a lot of people do it. That's one way of cleaning. Another way of cleaning for me is just get a five gallon bucket that has uh, some citric uh, acid, citric acid yeah. water in it. Stick this thing in it and uh, turn it on for an hour. And just running it in there, I don't even have to disassemble it for yeah. the most part. And it'll just clean all of that stuff out of it. I can put it back in the tank, uh, or, you know, rinse it off. And, uh, you know, but better yet is really take it apart, disassemble it, and clean all the individual mm -hmm. pieces at least once a year. If you want a high performance uh, product and you want it to work in your system, you need to maintain the filter. Otherwise, it's not going to work the way that you like. And some of them obviously require more maintenance than others, and it tends to be the cheaper ones that uh, require the most maintenance. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, again, I mean, if I'm going to spend, you know, $700 or whatnot on a skimmer, it's because I want it to perform well. And if I can just spend, you know, take the thing out and spend, you know, like matter of minutes of just putting it in there and taking it back out and putting it back in, in the tank and then get double the performance out of it, I should absolutely do that. This one's actually pretty interesting to me. Uh, number 14 fail with protein skimmers. Where am I gonna put this thing? Uh, overthinking your placement, whether it goes in the first chamber, whether it goes before a refugium, whether it goes after a refugium, whether it goes you know, anywhere in, the, in this uh, lineup of your sump, uh, it probably is not going to be a massive difference overall when it comes to like the filtration. So, I mean, if I had my druthers, I would actually feed it right off of the uh, overflow, mm -hmm. right? The foo, poo and food that's coming down it. I would have a recirculating design that would feed it like right into the skimmer, right? Uh, if uh, that was, uh, if I had it every way. I, if I also, I'd probably put it before the like uh, refugium as well. Like I want to remove as much of that gunk and stuff that, like so it doesn't get trapped inside the refugium. If I put it after the refugium, most of the poo and food is actually getting stuck and trapped inside of uh, uh, the, all of the catamorpha. Mm. But in the end, like this is all just kind of like cutting hairs and the stuff that like we like are splitting hairs rather. And we like to kind of like, you know, nerdily debate all this right. stuff. It's just super fun to like think about the best. But I think overthinking it also causes some other problems. Like trying to feed this thing off of the overflow you know, causes some functional challenges that you're gonna have to get past. And you, depending on your system, you might like do it wrong like three times before you get it right. 
and think about the value that I'm gonna get out of right. it. Right. Right. I'm not gonna rebuild or rebuy a sump just so I can put the schemer in the optimal place in many cases. <laughs> no. You know. So uh, I think it's actually one of the bigger fails here. It's just overthinking things, trying to get it perfect when actually 9.8 will do. All right, number 15 uh, fail. This one is actually one I've done myself many times. What is it? Yeah, if uh, if you have a controller, use the controller to control this thing. So I'm dosing, uh, I'm dosing medications, I'm dosing foods, I'm dosing aminos, I'm dosing you know those types of things. Uh, I'm doing routine maintenance. There's just a, a variety of reasons and ways and times where. Uh, I just probably should shut this thing off. And uh, especially if it means water levels are fluctuating in my sump, because either you're going to run this thing in very low water and you might run the risk of uh, running, just running it dry. Or like when I shut my pumps off to do maintenance in my display, my water level in my sump goes up. And now I've got, if I didn't clean my cup, uh, I've got a mess on my hands. I've got fish poo and everything all over the place. So. I think we've all seen it. So oh, yeah. almost everybody, you turn off your return pump, but the skimmer's still on, water level goes up in the sump, the skimmer just overflows like crazy. So all that poo that it caught, now flowing back into the tank in like a super concentrated form, <laughs> right. not good. Uh, I will say that in the recirculating form uh, of skimmer, that one like actually doesn't have that problem because it's not really affected by the amount of water for the most part mm -hmm. in the sump. Uh, and so you can just turn it off and it really doesn't affect it. But if you have a, like a controller uh, and like uh, we've used the Apex for this, get the float switch or the little water uh, uh, optical eye attachment and you can do one of two things. Like if the return pump is ever set off, you can set up a rule to turn off the skimmer or whatnot. Or if the water level in the sump ever goes above here, turn off the skimmer, right? right? Or, or both, really. Right. But like, if you're doing feedings, like I don't want to remove all the amino acids right away. So turn off the skimmer for two hours. It's mm -hmm. still gonna run for 22 other hours. It'll be just fine, <laughs> right? That's right. Uh, and so, you know, you're gonna, like I bought those amino acids, I paid for them. I don't want it to the skimmer to remove it, you know? Mm. And it's probably not stripping it out, but even if it only removed 20%, I can actually spend 20% less money on amino acids if I just turn the thing <laughs> off for a couple hours. So use those things if you have a controller, use the feed mode, use the little water sensors, you can get better performance out of the skimmer that you have. All right, so uh, <laughs> as you just described it, bonus fail number 16, what is it? Yeah, today we have a bonus fail 16, which is understanding or lack of understanding of how the skimmer affects pH. So this thing can affect pH in a variety of ways. One, it, without any media or without anything, so the first thing my mind goes to is like, I'm running CO2 scrubbing media directly using my skimmer for that purpose to, uh, to scrub out that air. Uh, but even just a skimmer in general in your system has such a high air velocity uh, exchange going on in the chamber of it that it benefits the rest of the tank. So for those of you who don't know, like, Assuming that your alkalinity is on spot or on par, like the number one factor to pH to your tank is the amount of carbon dioxide in the air surrounding the tank. Mm. Actually, the, arc, uh, the carbon dioxide enters the tank, turns into carbonic acid, and lowers the pH. Right? All right. So if I have a skimmer that is just uh, tiny little bubbles from top to bottom, right? This is so much more surface area covering all those bottles, but probably like a like hundred full right. versus just the surface of your tank, right? right. Uh, maybe a thousand fold, right? And so this thing actually has the most gas exchange probably of the whole tank and it's just cycling through it. And so there's a couple of different ways that it can check, affect your pH in your tank. 
you know, assuming that the pHs are, or the carbon dioxide levels are really high in your room, you know, you got a lot of pets, or there's a bunch of people living there, it's in an office space or mm -hmm. a restaurant or who knows, uh, and uh, the carbon dioxide levels are rising, like this thing is actually going to lower the pH of your tank. Put in, turn the skimmer right. on, we'll lower it faster. Drawing in more because it's of it. Pulling that. more carbon mm. dioxide in. However, you can also do the opposite. If you just draw the air from outside, you know, send this tube outside, in which case you might want a, like a stronger pump because there'll be some back pressure from sucking it from outside right. or whatnot. You might want a bigger uh, pump for it than you would normally run. But you can pull the air from outside, which has uh, lower levels of carbon dioxide, uh, and use the skimmer to actually lower the amount of carbon dioxide that's in the water as well. You can run uh, CO2 media. Right. You can do all different things. I've heard of even people putting plants in the room to suck up the carbon dioxide then using the skimmer to use that lower carbon dioxide to suck it out of, the, out of the water and so just understand that this tool is actually one of the biggest things that impacts the amount of co2 and then the carbon dioxide levels are and carbonic acid in the tank and because of that controls the ph both up and down and just understand how that works and one of the biggest fails i think is people talk about ph talk about ph buffers and all this other stuff and this is actually one of the things that impacts it the most. Okay, so if I have one takeaway from this whole thing, it's pick up a skimmer that's actually capable of today's tank, mm. and hopefully of two years from now tank, it's probably a DC skimmer. Uh, but you know, if you do that, your tank will thank you for it. You'll be able to span the whole gap. You'll probably reduce your maintenance on your tank, maybe even water changes and other elements through that entire time. The water will probably clear, probably odorless, probably yes, less yellow water, all kinds of things will benefit in your tank. So make sure to try to pick up a skimmer that does today's job as well as tomorrow's. Okay, so don't fall victim to those top fails. And if you want to geek out even further and even more in depth, we have all of these experiments that we did on skimmers. And you can find that in a very special playlist right up here. So go check it out.